0: Hey everybody! Welcome to another episode of Beyond Grit with me, Robert Young. It's Wednesday, so you know that day is it's podcast day, um, and it's Hump Day. A couple days. Uh, Closer to the weekend, and the weather's been beautiful, so get out there and enjoy the weekend. Um, My guest today is Joanne Verkailen, and I've known Joanne for quite a few years, and um, I really wanted to get her story, and she um, runs two successful businesses. She's a wife, she's a mom of two kids, And she has quite a story growing up and a story where, you know, a lot of people would have thrown in the towel and been done. And she took that um, struggle and she doubled down on it and she just gritted it out and became somebody that she dreamed about of wanting to be. And she followed her passion and she did whatever it took. And now she's very successful. She's, like I said, she's got two very successful companies. She's worked in New York, From there, you know, she found her way um, to where she is today in Charlotte, and uh, it was a really good story, and I am thankful that she sat down and shared it with me. So grab a cup of coffee, get yourself hot tea, and enjoy the show. Hey, Joanne. Good morning.
1: Hey, good morning, Rob. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you.
0: Good. Anything uh, exciting this weekend you got planned?
1: Yes, actually, we are celebrating a friend's birthday and that starts with mimosas tomorrow morning. So
0: Nice, nice.
1: (laughs) And then ends in a jacuzzi at like one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that.
0: (laughs) That'll be fun after a long week.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: That'll be really good.
1: Even with the cold weather,
0: but I know, I know the cold weather like set in, which I don't really mind. I kind of like it. I like putting the jacket on. Um, I'm good like that.
1: Layers are my best friend in it's yep. Sweater weather. We love sweater weather.
0: <laughs> yeah. You getting any <laughs> golf in this weekend?
1: Not this weekend. Nope. That's okay though. Don't need to play every weekend, but yes, <laughs> golf is definitely becoming a part of my life. Uh, more and more. It's a good, you know, competitive thing and something else to work on. Right. As
0: we have, get older, have you always played golf?
1: Um, well, since you can't be married to my husband and not play some kind of golf, Mm -hmm. so so I have played for a while, but, but only really until COVID, I would say, um, have I taken it a little bit more seriously and, um, start practicing and things like that. So it's been fun. It's just another fun way to get out there and meet new people. And so, yeah, it's been good.
0: So, you know, speaking of your husband, he does a lot of hiking. Do you, are you not into it? the hiking or
1: no, I love to hike. I am. If we could do that more, we would, they just went out this week actually, um, um, with my daughter, they went on the Appalachian trail for, for, for a bit. I do like it. I actually love to camp one of these, um, one of these years we will buy some kind of RV and hit the road. Yeah, That's like a dream of mine to like really explore the country. Um, you know, in an RV and, you know, Matt and I, Matt's very handy like that. Like he's good with all this camping stuff. And anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, one of these days we'll get out there. I want to be, I want to do that. That'll that's one of my bucket list items.
0: Yeah. No, I and mean, there's, there's more time. There's so many beautiful places out there just here in the U S it's amazing. Yes, I,
1: I know exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, well,
0: uh, hey, I appreciate you um, taking time out of your busy day to come on the show and uh, tell your story. So I really appreciate that. It's
1: not—it's not easy for an introvert, Rob, to I talk know. about about it, themselves for an hour. So just know how lucky you are that I am here. <laughs> it took me a
0: while. Persistence. Yes. <laughs> Persistence.
1: No, I'm looking forward to. It. I'm just kidding with you,
0: but yes, yeah, it's—it's
1: it's fun and it's. But I am definitely an introvert. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what, give the audience a little, um, understanding of what you do because you're running two, um, successful businesses right now Mm -hmm. and, um, give them a little overview of what you do.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we have, I have two businesses right now that couldn't be more different in terms of not only their target market, what we sell, what we do. Um, but for, for, for somehow it all works together. Um, One business that I started about 13 years ago um, is focused in the fertility space. So we sell, um, programs that are designed specifically for women who are having trouble getting pregnant and really based on the idea that we have, you know, there's a very strong mind body connection and there's also proven that stress and infertility, or I should say stress and fertility do not mix. And so, and, and this stems from a, a, personal experience of mine having secondary infertility. Um, and so we developed this, this company 13 years ago, I received funding from, um, you know, call it family friends and launched that business. And, um, it's been a fantastic journey. Um, it kind of runs itself more or less. Like I don't, my time is more spent now on the other business, which is a um, really a marketing and branding agency that's dedicated to the private equity and investment banking worlds. Which is also in my background. Um, I used to be an investment banker. You know, Wall Street did mergers and acquisitions for many years, um, and saw the opportunity. I mean, if the, the the proliferation of investment banking firms and private equity firms has just been so. Um great over the past ten years. And finance people do not know anything about marketing and branding, but they need to start, and they have been you know investing more in that business. So I saw the opportunity to create specifically an agency that's between this nexus of two things that usually don't mix, which is finance and marketing, and because we know the market so well, and it's just such a complicated, nuanced industry that we've done very well in that. And so that company I launched in two thousand and sixteen. And um, that's the company that I spend all my time on these days. Um, very very busy lately, actually. So yeah, I'm good. Yeah.
0: How many team members that, do you have on yeah. your uh, the marketing and branding?
1: So we we have there's a t- I would call it ten full time um, equivalent. We've got six actually seven now on payroll, and another three call it 1099s that we work with that we consider to be part of our team as well. Um, We've got about 20 active clients right now, which is fantastic. And we're in hiring mode. Um, We cannot hire fast enough Um, right now. We're kind of turning away clients, which is a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, making sure that I'm not burning out my team um, in, you know, addressing the market needs and addressing our client needs So, um, yeah, so we're, we're definitely in growth mode and recruiting should be my full-time job at this point.
0: (laughs) So where are you finding issues of finding talent and labor? Because there's a big issue in the labor market right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that may it's funny because I think on one hand, I think that helps us or there, if it plays into our strengths, you know, they, they're calling it the great resignation, um, with some pretty dramatic numbers that are being talked about in terms of people just quitting their jobs over the next six months, um, you know, really being driven by the pandemic and just, you know, lots of factors that go into it, but because we're, we are a work from home, we focus on work life, our values, and this stems from my background Just being kicked, um, (laughs) kicked in the in the butt like every day in terms of the amount of hours I used to work. That it's a very strong value of mine to make sure our team is, um, you know, there's there's a strong work life balance and that we're not just here to work. We're here to, you know, enjoy what we do um, first and foremost, and as well have a balanced work life. And so, um, I think, I think with that and so, but it's also so you have that on one hand and then on the other hand, we need people that are very, um, that have either experience in the finance side of the world. And so client service at this level is very intricate and difficult and it's hard to train, um, and or somebody who's like really well advanced in mar- in B2B marketing. And so those people are just, they're not there. It's just, it just is time consuming to find them. And, you know, we're not a large company but that's a positive in some people's minds, you know. So mm-hmm. you just have to balance and figure out what your strengths are and what our strengths are, are will resonate with a lot of folks.
0: Yeah. Have you been, have you always been a, a work from home establishment? Or did yes. you have an office? Yeah,
1: before? we've always been work from home. We do get together once a quarter and we we actually have our offsite next week in Greenville. We have people in Atlanta, people here in Charlotte. And so we have a lot of fun getting together. We, because we're because we all women, so that's another factor. It's not like I set out to create an all-female firm. <laughs> that was not part of our strategy, but it just tends to lean that way, marketing and branding. Just more women are, are in that field. Um, and... Um, and so it's nice so we can rent a big you know, Airbnb and all stay there and have, you know, have a lot of fun together. So we do that
0: as well. That's good. That's a good team building. Yes, absolutely. Time. Um, so did you, we'll take kind of take it back to mm-hmm. your early days. Um, where'd you grow up? So I grew
1: up in a blue collar town, central Massachusetts, kind of near Worcester town called Lemonster. It's actually known as the plastics capital of the world or something like that it's where a lot of the plastics factories were built back in the 40s 50s and um and yeah grew up there um i'm the youngest of five kids i want to say um but i'm you know there's like five years difference because i was the product of a new of a of a remarriage Um, okay and so my older, my siblings are older in that regard. So, um, but yeah, I had an idyllic growing up really up until a certain point, um, you know, lots of, lots of family around up until about, up until uh, my, up, uh, when I turned 12 and my father had had brain tumor, he was actually one of the first open brain surgery patients in like 1971, 1972. Wow. had most of the brain tumor removed. It slowly grew back. So for most of my life, he was sick. He was, you know, kind of epileptic seizures. Um, and then finally the brain tumor kind of grew back and he passed away in 1982. Um, I was 12 and, you know, my father was my, my, my foundation. He yeah. was, he was my life. And so having that happen was pretty traumatic as you can think, as you can imagine. And as well, as unfortunately, it definitely had a domino effect. Um, you know, his, his family kind of stopped, you know, that was, we spent, you know, Easter's and Christmases with my aunts and uncles on his side. Weirdly, we still don't understand it, but when he passed away, they kind of stopped connecting with us. Um, and so I kind of lost that side of the family. Um, my mother was very psychologically ill. She turned, very dramatically to, um, booze to, you know, alcohol, she almost killed herself with, you know, so this was when I was 15, 16, kind of, if people have a person in their life, that's an alcoholic. And if they've ever watched the movie leaving Las Vegas, like Mm -hmm. that was unfortunately what happened to my mother. Um, and so I was kind of left to my own devices at a very young age. And, um, you know, as we were talking about before Rob, when and I'm not listen, I, I'm i not special, right? There's so many people who kind of overcame adversity in their in their you know young years. And I'm I consider myself fortunate in that I had those, you know, 10, 12 years of a very solid, idyllic um, you know, childhood that gave me a very strong foundation from which then to look at life and understand still what my opportunities were, even at that young age of 12, 13, 14 and i've always had this like really strong north star so i consider myself very lucky because there's a lot of kids that 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 have that adversity went through a lot but you know and and they can't write themselves because they don't have that um so and i had a lot of good role models in my life my older siblings definitely played a big role and so anyway that that that's a long-winded answer to your simple question yeah
0: well <laughs> you know that's <laughs> I mean, starting out at a young age, and you've got older kids, I've got older kids. And if you look back when they were 15 and having to deal with that, or 12, you yeah. know, having to deal with that, and then could you, I don't know. I'm sh- no, it's <laughs> no, <laughs> it's something that you can't imagine, you know, yeah. on somebody. And, um, you know, I'm glad that you were strong enough to you know, stay on that path.
1: Yeah, and, and I yourself but,
0: moving forward, but very fortunate
1: in that regard, as I say, like, you know, it, you I think people as they're kind of contemplating their own life, right? I'm sure you get to a certain point. You're like, wow, that happened. And it was a negative at the time. But boy, did that turn out to be a positive, you know, because this and this and this then happened after. And you're able to reflect back and I hold no anger. I go through a lot of therapy, right? (laughs) As (laughs) I'm sure most people do. Um, but, um, but I never, and this is another good thing. I never really consider myself a victim. And I think if you have a victimhood, um, tendency, I think that's when you really start to spiral yourself. And so, and, and as well have anger associated with people in your life that may, that you can definitely def- on paper did you wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, luckily, that anger kind of never really surfaced. I really I feel, you know, my mother ended up passing away in my mid 20s. She can't do that to your body and not, um, you know, not have severe mm-hmm. health consequences. And um, I think she was lucky that she had another 10 years, to be honest. Just really sad. Like, so it's, I have a very strong interest as well in, in addiction and what that what that can do to somebody. Um, I've never really done anything with it, but like always curious as to how addiction plays out in various people's lives.
0: Yeah, no, it is fascinating because I've always looked at that too, to where you can take one person and give them the same thing and they're fine. And then you give that to another person and they're off the rails, or you talk about, um, addicts that are recovering and they're like, I can't, I can't even have a, a drink because if I had a drink, I don't have one. I have 15 Correct. and to live with that, you know, your whole life is it's, it's hard. And, and uh, I don't understand it. You know, yep. it's, it is a, a disease, you know, mm-hmm. that people have and to deal with. Um, it's
1: and it's so impactful, right. On the people in your life. And, um, you know, and especially adult children of alcoholics, right. That whole, There is a lot to be said about that, a lot to learn from each other about that, right? And how Mm -hmm. that is manifested in your personality and being hyper aware of other people's feelings and how they're, you know, where they are in that particular moment. And you become very, you know, empathetic and very sensitive to other people in your life. And you tend to be the helper. Um, There's lots of cascading things that happen when, you know, you've had to go through that as a kid. Um, Yeah. So-
0: yeah. I mean, you can either be angry and mad, like you said, or, or you got to keep just moving. Yeah. So, I mean, when you come out of that, and and like I said, I'll bring it back to us raising our kids. So now we're getting to the point where I've got my daughter, she's a junior in college, and you're just, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping her going, right? We're keeping her down that path. And then I've got my son and he's going to start um, in the spring semester. And you, you're like, okay, did you get this email? Did you do this? Did you fill this out? Did it, Nobody, yeah, nobody did that for me. <laughs> and, and I'm certain nobody did that for you. <laughs> um, do you, do you look at it as we grew up in a different generation that has a factor or, mm-hmm. you know, is, is it just something.
1: Isn't it funny, Rob, like you can think I can think back to when I when I talk about my idyllic time of my childhood where I was running in a pack of kids, you know, through the neighborhood all day. (laughs) <laughs> and there was no, you know, we were going, we were in the middle of the woods in, you know, in one afternoon in the middle of a lake, the other, you know, no supervision, no. And there was an absolute freedom in that, that our kids, the kids today just don't have. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, that it is really sad. And I do agree. Like there's this whole, you know, my, so I have a daughter, um, at NC state, so she's a junior. And then my daughter, do- my other daughter is 15 and she's a sophomore in high school and, you know, the way I was brought up both from negative and a positive, I really do try to bring that out. My kids know exactly what I went through. They know who I am. They know, you know, and I try to help them through decisions, but yeah, the, the, the idea of being a helicopter, you know, parent and, and there's great, there's a spectrum associated with that. And, you know, I'm very much of the opinion that they need to, you know, they need to make their decisions pretty early on. I try to help them with that and be a Mm -hmm. resource, but um, yeah, that, that plays into my parent theory very strongly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think I'm the same way. It's they, they've got to figure it out, you know, yeah. now early, because once they're out there, I, I got to give them tools, you know, and I want to be, it's the whole thing where I'm, I got to be your parent now, you know, and now it's, it's still hard to be a parent and, mm-hmm. you know, to tell them like, no, this is what you need to do. So mm-hmm. we're on the other side. We're supposed to be um, empathetic, and we're supposed to listen, and we're supposed to support. But then there's that bridge of I've still got to be a teacher, right?
1: And, and-, and, and right, and also you know that some of the decisions that they're making are based in fear, and and that's where I have a hard time, and that's where I need to push is if I think that they are saying no to something or, you know, wants, want to, um, you know, cancel out of something, you know, I'll use an example of soccer as a sport um, and, you know, having them say, well, I, I don't want to do this anymore because of X, Y, and Z, but really that really the true reason is some level of fear that they're not good enough or that there's their kids of social environment that's when I try to push and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, like my daughter, my youngest used to do gymnastics and she's like, mom, why did you let me quit that? Like, I could have been really good by now <laughs> I said, because you were miserable. You didn't want to yeah. do it. You told me you wanted to quit, you know? So those things I have to remember as well. Like there's a time to push. There's a time to let them make a decision, um, yeah. for themselves and, and then they deal with the repercussions. And I think that it's a learning experience for them, um, yeah. as well.
0: So early on, you know, as you're going up and now you're entering into your college years, um, did you just figure all this stuff out on your own of where you wanted to be? Or did you have people that inspired you or, yeah. you know, helped you along the way?
1: It's I, you know, and again, this is another area that I don't know where this came from, but I, I tried to seek out the role models out there in the world, right out there in my life that, gave me the, okay, yes, I want to be like that because of that, or look at that person. They're doing that. That's really cool. Interesting. And I think a lot of the motivation in high school for me was I wanted a life beyond what I was experiencing at the time, way beyond. Mm -hmm. I did have big dreams and I think that that helped. I knew I wanted a wonderful, you know, kind of lifestyle that would support me. Um, and knew that I would have to make the decisions right then and there to be able to do that in the future. And I, so the role models definitely came. I mean, my, my, my sisters are the the older, you know, the ones that are slightly older than me. I shouldn't say older anymore, but you know, the, <laughs> I'm trying to find a better word. So if they listen to this, sorry guys, but yeah. <laughs> you know, nine, 10 years older than I am and then five years old. And then so seeing their path definitely helped. And they were, you know, college bound, highly educated, smart women that, wanted to, you know, career focused. And so I had that in my life. And if I hadn't, you know, and even teachers, like there were, I can never, I'll never forget my math teacher in high school, the way she would hold herself and dress and the point the, her poise and her, the way she communicated, like I remember it was like burn in my brain. I'm like, okay, that's, I'm going to put that in my little, my little pocket of like future identity or like ways that I wanted to shape my life. Um, And so um, I think that that had a lot, lot to do with it. I, I don't know how, where that came about or how I thought, thought through that at that young age, but it, it definitely helped and gave me the, the stepping stones and the, 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 the North star. I keep, I, I like to call it my North star and just my goals there that I could, you know, kind of do what I needed to do because yeah, I was, there was no assistance on my side of applying to colleges. I did you know, the way that kids today and parents, like I, I remember driving myself to the interview, like going to went to a small school in Massachusetts, went there for my interview, drove there by myself. Like I was a senior in high school. Like I, how did I know to do that? I don't know, but I was, you know, happy that I did it. (laughs) And so, and, uh, took the steps, even though there were fear, you know, very, I was always afraid, you know, but kind of pushed through it.
0: Yeah. No, it's amazing on what we figured out to do when we were kids before right. the internet. I think the internet has made us a bit dumber, you know, and, but, but we were on that generation where we grew up without it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we have it now. So we can kind of function both ways. Right. <laughs> if you kind of get what I, you know, yes, driving yourself where you're going to go and figuring out and the school and what to wear and different things like that, that all just kind of came within. Um, did you apply at a bunch of schools or was that the only one? No,
1: back then you, you didn't apply to 10 schools like kids do today. I, yeah. I had my, my reach, my dream school, my, you know, one that I thought I could get into. There were three, um, you know, three schools in the Massachusetts area that I knew I wanted to go into business. So whether that was something at the time, I think I thought I wanted to be an accountant um, because accountants made a lot of money. And that's what I told myself when I was a sophomore <laughs> in high school, like, okay, so I'm going to go, I'm going to become an accountant because I, I need to, you know, the, the focus on supporting myself was primary. Right. Because, okay. And so the, so yeah, just applied to three schools, um, got into the best one, went there and, um, you know, did very well. I mean, I, um, you know, during the time when you know, my, after my father passed away, so I was in seventh grade, um, went sideways in school, but then had one of my sisters, you know, clearly state to me that I was an A student and I needed to work hard and her mentorship in that regard, um, kicked me into high gear. And so I was like, if I did not get a, if, if I didn't get an A, I pretty much got up straight A's after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that continued through college. And I was, you know, I taught my class. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I, I instill that in my kids, uh, probably mm-hmm. a little too strongly. I'm very strict with grades. Cause I, you know, that's what opens the doors and that's what saved me at least was mm-hmm. the education that I got. So I'm very, you know, the these, this idea of, you know, my daughter telling me, oh, I'm not good at math or I'm not good at this. I, you know, that's when I get yeah. upset. <laughs> that's yeah. when I push. That's when I say, nope, you're just telling yourself that that's not, you know, all you got to do is the work and you, the growth mindset and blah, blah, blah. But so that, that was me. And I worked extremely hard and got the grades and I even worked 20 hours a week while I was in college. I, got like kind of an internship at a local corporation and would go there, I think like three times a week, I would drive myself, have put on my little like business suit. And I was, you know, and so I had a resume when I graduated college. And I think that, um, you know, and I, and I know kids do today, but I, I, kids at the time, I didn't really have, I mean, so I had like experience. I was like in the accounting department and like, you know, very, but that, that was, you know, definitely set me apart when I went then to start, you know, interviewing for, you know, real jobs out of school Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, going from Lemonster, Massachusetts to Wall Street, where I was working on billion dollar M&A transactions was quite a leap, quite a, quite a change. Right. I'll never forget going to New York City, even for the first time to interview. And um, for, I was, I worked at Smith Barney. So it was like the only bank that I um, really interviewed with for what they call, you know, the analyst. It's like this, you know, investment banking um, analyst class that I was recruited into and going up to their 54th 54th floor of of their midtown building which overlooked central park in a way that just you 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 your breath just took a second to come back because it was just such an astounding view because it just central park was just laid out in front of you and i'll just never forget saying where am i what am i <laughs> doing like and it's funny because i never thought i would wanted to do investment banking it was never a dream of mine it was never a a thing. Like I said, I wanted to, but you know, wanted to do something in business, but I had a friend and cause the whole thing just petrified me. I mean, it really just was like, I am not that person. And I had a friend who was kind of a boyfriend at the time. And he really pushed me to do it. And he said, Joanne, you have the grades, you have everything it takes to get a job like this. He said, I would kill to be in your position to do this. And so I was scared shitless, mm-hmm. um, and went ahead anyway, and, um, moved to New York city, um, and worked my ass off. I mean, we were working 80, hundred hour weeks and I'm not even, I'm not padding that we worked around the clock and it was a fantastic experience. I would love my kids to, I just think it sets the stage. It's such a great opportunity. It sets the stage for pretty much anything you would want to do after that. Mm-hmm it's almost like going to get an MBA. It's very rigorous, very, um, challenging. You know, I was with working with some of the smartest minds. Um, you know, I worked on the back in the day when Viacom bought Paramount, like I worked on that transaction and did all the numbers and, and, you know, flew around the country with Sumner Redstone and these guys. And so I was like, who, you know, who is this person? Right. I'm just, I'm still feeling myself out and I got burnt out, like, you know, yeah you get burned out from something like that and i think that that has then i circling back to my work life balance uh that i said at the beginning like yeah. that has that had definitely impacted me in a way that was not all positive like i'm very happy i did it and very happy i challenged myself and did all those things and like you know new york city was amazing to live in when i was in my 20s um but i'm very cognizant of burnout and very cognizant of what can, what that can do to your psyche. Um, So, you know, you live and you learn.
0: (laughs) How long did you spend doing that?
1: Uh, That program was, so um, I was there for two and a half years and that's when my mother was diagnosed with cancer. So I actually moved home and took care of her. And that's when I kind of quit Smith Barney at the time. I went back to New York city. So I moved back and I took care of my mother. Um, which I was really happy. I did. We spent a lot of quality time together. Um, she had about six months between the time she was diagnosed and when she passed away and, um, you know, lived with her took care of her, um, did all those things. And, um, and then once she passed away, then I moved back to New York city. So luckily I just sublet my apartment, knew I wanted to go back to New York Mm -hmm. city, Massachusetts at that point was just not somewhere where I saw myself living long term. Yeah. Um, I feel like I grew up in New York City. I tell people that I just loved living there in my twenties. We had, you know, an absolute blast, as you can imagine.
0: No, I love going there. I love visiting there. And I wouldn't even mind living there for a little bit. I don't oh know if gosh, I could I... do all year round, but I'm just it's weird because I love being in the mountains. Mm-hmm. But I love going to New York,
1: well, New York just- is almost very similar like I was just we were just there in November for a quick night, and I hadn't been there in a while and you know you get there, and how you're surrounded by those enormous buildings, it almost feels like you are in the mountains or like in it's like this is as breathtaking as like overlooking the um um the grand Canyon almost like, I know it's a weird thing to say, but it's just so like, you feel so small, but so it's so powerful and energetic. Yeah. We used to, um, put on our rollerblades on a Saturday and go and just spend the whole day in central park. You know, when I still have the original issue rollerblades and we just would, would go through central park and gosh, it was just so much fun. Um, and I highly recommend, like, I would love my kids to live there, you know, Um, even if it's for a couple of years, it's, it's so it, 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 it exposes you a, to so many different cultures as well. Like New York city is such the melting pot and just being in the subway system and you look around and you are, there's just a rainbow of people and it really kind of makes you feel about society in a different way when you're exposed to that level of just humanity, you
0: know? No, for sure. I, I had, you know, a big aha moment and uh, I was sitting on the subway and I couldn't figure out the, the subways, you know, because you would have, you know, a to this, to this, to this, and you can get on any of these trains. And I'm like, how can you get on any of these trains? Doesn't one just go to the, the spot? I remember <laughs> sitting there and I looked at it and I was like, I get it. I can, (laughs) I can go anywhere in this city now. And those are big moments when you go there and you're like, you're like, I got this. And, um, so Nicole just took a position, a new position and, uh, her boss is in New York. So. Hopefully once everything starts opening back up, you know, around here, because they're still out of the office Mm that we'll be able to go to New York. I was like, we can go there once a month. I'm good. So
1: when you go there, definitely tell me and I'll give you some recommendations. But what we did last time was rent some of the city bikes that are so easy Mm -hmm. and, you know, great way to explore Central Park. I still think that Central Park is the place that you want to spend a lot of time when you go to New York City.
0: Yeah, we we were there. We took the kids. We actually took my daughter there. Um, we spent a Christmas. So we were able to go there and see all the Christmas stuff. And we were sitting in um, this gigantic group of people. We were like corralled because we couldn't get across the street or whatever. And everybody's kind of pushed together to where on one side, you're like, is are people going to start getting mad at other people? And we're sitting there, and it started snowing, and oh, everybody's wow. mood changed instantly, and oh, it was the awesome. greatest thing ever. And then <laughs> we like, loved each other. But uh, no, that's that's great. New Yorkers are the
1: most honest people you'll ever meet. It's just fun. It, it, it's they're they're honest, and they. And they, so they'll, they'll tell you to your face what's going on in there. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, you'll see the, the, the best of humanity, like after nine 11, you know, I wasn't in New York city in nine 11, but like, you know, just fantastic people, you know, truly honest to their core, but I feel like just really good people
0: at their heart. Yeah. What, what brought you to North Carolina?
1: Uh, so you know, we, uh, Matt and I, uh, you know, moved to a suburb of New York city in New Jersey called Montclair. It's a great city, great little town as the crow flies, like 13 miles from Manhattan. And I was working in Manhattan at the time and, you know, pregnant with Abby and absolutely miserable, just commuting to the city right. from New Jersey. And New Jersey is just that part of New Jersey, as well as the other suburbs of New York city. Um, it's just so expensive. And I knew again, my, my, my focus being on this work life, especially being a working mother, I wanted to spend more time with the kids. I did not necessarily want to be a stay at home mom, but I wanted there to be a better life balance where I could take them to their doctor's appointments without issue, where I could pick them up from school if I wanted to, um, and so that's when I started circle and bloom really was to, um, have that work-life balance, be able to work for myself, start something that I could work from home. And, um, but so at the same time, you know, we, we loved Montclair, but just felt like there was a better life, a better way. So 10 years ago, we decided to move to Charlotte and, you know, being in the South and being in North Carolina has been like, we never looked back. I, We have great great friends here now, actually and my sister moved here. So she's five minutes away. And so there's family here now, this is our home now. And I, I love it. I, we love, uh, we are talking about golf, you know, we love our house. We love our community. We love the people in our life now. So, and you know, the ability to just three hours to the beach, you know, two hours to the mountains, Mm -hmm. um, for us, it just really works.
0: Yeah. So you started circle and bloom before you met left, uh, Jersey.
1: Yes. I, I started that like in, uh, let's see 1998, 1990, oh, sorry, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 2000, 2008, 2009. Yeah. Okay. So I was in New Jersey still at the time.
0: And it's so, so I mean, did you just come up with this? Like mm-hmm. I, I see a need and yeah. how do I build this and how do I make this happen? Yeah.
1: I will say that it was probably one of the best things that I've ever done was to do what we did with that company and build that set of products. Um, I had issues with um, getting pregnant with my with Abby, and, and you know, so diagnosed with secondary infertility. And I'm telling you, for the listeners that have gone through this, it's one of the most painful, and it, they actually compare it to people who are going through cancer. Like it's very a stressful B it questions your life decisions and what your life will be. If you cannot become pregnant, like it is all consuming from a, from both a physical perspective and a mental perspective. And so it's very, it's a very, and it's something, it's like a quiet thing. You're not going to talk to people about it. Um, maybe that's becoming more socially acceptable. Now it's more celebrities opening up about their fertility struggles, but back then it was like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna share anything about what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I was, you know, searching for something to do. Um, I was an early, t- uh, Tim Ferriss follower. So I had his book, the four hour work week. Yep. Um, <laughs> had, so I had that. And then this, this idea of, okay, what could I do? And and then this the idea came to me to develop a per- series of programs. And I've always been interested in relaxation, meditation techniques to really kind of bring the body into a much, uh, uh, much stronger, like homeostasis and balancing hormones and everything else. And so a lot of research went into this. We, uh, worked with Dr. Bernie Siegel, who's, uh, Best-selling author of the love medicine and miracles. He was kind of like a mentor to me in developing the programs. And so they're, they're literally audio-based. You listen every day, every single day is different. You listen to meditation that guides your body and you literally go inside your body and, and help visualize what your body should be doing during that time of the month. Again, Mormon's menstrual cycle. So every day is different. It tracks to that. And I will tell you, and then from there we developed a whole series. We've got like 20 programs now that are for different stages of where you are, or if you have PCOS, which is an endocrine disorder that affects a lot of people. If you have, if you're going through IVF or IUI. I will tell you, we get, we get emails almost every day from women around the world who are thanking us for, and we never promise that this is going to work or be the magic bullet. We Mm -hmm. are very like strong in that, like we're not promising anything, but the results we hear and the results we see are very, very strong and point to the power of the mind-body connection. We actually also have a cancer program and- Um, we're developing a whole, actually another, um, brand really that will be for more general health. And, and, um, and so we're excited about that as well.
0: That is, I, I always, um, or not, I always, but I've noticed sometimes people that I known that were battling infertility and they would, they would do something, um, maybe IVF and they were. Pregnant and then all of a sudden, like eight months later, yeah, nine months later, they they became pregnant naturally. Yes. And do you do you feel like when you said that about that stressors? Because I could imagine that if I was a woman, I was trying to get pregnant, and okay, the first month it didn't happen. Then after six months, then seven, eight, nine years, the stresses every single month leading up to that time period yeah um
1: you start to question you start to question everything it's really it's really difficult for women to go through this and yes and and also you've heard the stories the anecdotal about you know okay we'll we'll go we'll go to adoption and then they and then they become pregnant and the last thing though you want to tell somebody hey just you know you just need to relax yeah and then it will happen. Like, that's the last thing that they need to hear though. At the same time, it's not, It, it that's like, <laughs> it's just the worst <laughs> thing you can say. And yeah. so, um, so it's a delicate balance and yes, it is. It's very difficult. And so really proud of our programs. I mean, we are still selling just as many as we were, you know, five years ago. And, um, it's, um, uh, it's, it's, it it's a nice thing to think about, you know, that we are impacting people's lives in a positive way.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great. How was it? Uh, how challenging is it being a, um, a working mom? I mean, we'll jump in on that because I live with one and, yeah. uh, you know, how,
1: well, that, and I think that that's, what's been driving me to make some of these decisions. So, so then, you know, moving back to Charlotte, um, I wanted to get back into the finance world. Um, and so, but then quickly realizing, oh my gosh, this isn't, so a lot of motivation for starting these companies has been the kids <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> and wanting that flexibility of being a mom and a business person and, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, focusing on my career. Cause didn't want to give that up. I wanted to continue with that for sure. Um, but, and I also think, and it would be interesting to hear from my own kids, like when they're grown and, you know, after college and they can reflect on their childhood, that hopefully it was a good thing that, that the role model of what I'm doing and decide, you know, making my own decisions and carving my way. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm it's, I I definitely have carved a unique career, (laughs) from, you know, from things that I see as opportunities. And I mean, I have business ideas all the time. There's only so much hours in the day. And so I'm, I am very passionate about that. I love the idea of creating a product or a service where one either doesn't exist or that, you know, you can do better. And that's a passion of mine. And, and that's what kind of, and, and, you know, I can uh, you know, never forget, developing the business plan for circle and bloom and starting to write the programs. I mean, I was on the bus to and from Manhattan and that's when I would work on it, you know, or on the train and was, couldn't put it down. You know, it's like sometimes when people have a, they find a passion, like that's an opportunity. And, and it was like, I just got on the train and the train, like you want to talk about motivation or grit or like willpower I didn't need any of those things. And I think that that's when you do hit a new stride and a new level of success, when you can tap into this deep, like knowing, or this deep, like, yes, hell yes. And it's, and then you just get on the train and it's like, now I do this. And next I do this. And and it was never like, a, Oh, it was yeah. always like a, Oh my God. Like I get to do this and this is going to be fun. and, and, and whenever I get into, and that comes to an end, right? The train's going mm-hmm. to get to a station you get off and you're like, okay, what, what do I do next? <laughs> and then sometimes it can get harder or more challenging to find that passion again, that drives you because I don't believe that, 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 um, willpower is, is a long-term solution to anything Yeah, you need to find that, that that motivation inside of why you want to do something. And that why better be pretty deep and pretty profound and pretty motivating for you both both like mentally, spiritually, physically, like all of these things. Otherwise find something else. And right. and I definitely go through nips and valleys on that, like uh dips and valleys, um, like with with um middle M creative there are weeks and I'm just like, I can't, this is, I, this too hard. Like, I don't know what, you know, what to do next here. And it just becomes really challenging, but then you get past that and you're back to that. Okay. This is so much fun and we get to do this. And, and so it's not a constant. And I think during the dips, you just have to like grit through it and like, just be kind to yourself. And like, you know, mentally it's when it gets really hard like that, I just try to pull away, like say, Nope. I know myself well enough now <laughs> that <laughs> this will pass and I will get pa- back to my, you know, high energy, high productivity and, and, and remembering the why. Cause yeah. I think sometimes we forget and we get, it gets muddled because it gets overwhelming, honestly.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point that you make, because I, I think that everybody, or there's a lot of people out there that believe that they have to be at level 10 all the time. And if they, they dip mm-hmm. down below that, then there's something wrong with them. And I kind of went through that, you know, with the whole real estate thing and you're going through and you're on this high and you're, you're making deals and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden there's like a little dip and all of a sudden I was sudden nice. I'm sitting at the bottom and I'm like, I'm never going to sell another thing in my life. Nobody <laughs> other, what did I do? What was and then back up and, yeah. and I'm kind of in that right now, but we're going into that season mm-hmm. and just like you said, I'm, I'm comfortable with yep. it. And I know yep. that things are going to come on back around. And, right.
1: Um, I mean, I find that with working out, like going to the gym, like some day, some weeks I'm like, hell yes. Other weeks I'm like, Oh God, no. <laughs> 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 and it's just with everything. And I think just having kindness to yourself and, and that's, that's been a big learning for me over the past call of three years is, recognizing those feelings and knowing, Oh wait, don't beat yourself up because we can be our worst enemy. Um, and catching it and being cognizant and saying, Nope, just you're fine. Like you are fine. You are not lazy. I also don't believe in being late. Like, I don't think that people are lazy. I think that it's just there, you know, it it's, it's, um, it's a mental, um, it's, it's just, you get stuck and, yeah. and it's hard to get out of that. Um, but, and I, I, cause I don't, so I don't think people like really would like to lay on the couch all day long, every day people, you know, people need yeah. to do things. And I think, I think there's a mental aspect to it. And so, yeah, another.
0: no, I mean, I, these are all great points and that that's kind of, you know, the, the purpose of this is to help people understand, too, that yes, this is very successful. And yes, I'm very successful, but these are because you, you watch social media and stuff like that now, and it's all, you know, your grit and your grind and you're working a hundred hours a week and what's your side hustle and what's this and what are you doing? And oh, you're like, okay, all right. I just want to work a regular job and do my thing. (laughs) Now I feel like I'm a piece of crap, you know, and and people need to realize that you're not a piece of crap, right? Doing just fine. People are doing good. Go out there and do good and work.
1: I think those, those social media influencers who are pushing that message, it can be toxic. It really can. You can only, and this is speaking from somebody who worked hundred hour weeks. Like, Mm -hmm. so I know It's not sustainable. It is just absolutely not. And yes, having a plan, executing to the plan, being joyful while you do it, that's the recipe for success. Like that's what, but I also think that at the end of our lives, at the same time, right, you want to be able to say, look at what, look at, look at my beautiful life, right? So I'm always like doing a check in with myself, like, is this still what I want to do? Is this my path? Is this, where I want to be. And I, there's still lots of things I want to do. Um, and, and it's finding the time it's finding the the space and doing that for yourself first and foremost.
0: Yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years?
1: Well, um, I want to continue to grow middle M and, um, I, I want that to be something that survives my Career, right? So whether that's some kind of, and I'm not sure how that you know transpires. Just millions of ways that that could go. In terms of, I mean, if I really wanted to put the gas pedal down, I you know we could grow this business pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. I want to grow it slowly, you know, and it really develop something that I'm that we all can be really proud of. That's built on a foundation of high reputation and very high quality work product. And we work with some of the we were, we, we we're working with some A-list private equity firms now, which I'm an investment bank firm. I'm really, really proud of our client list. And these guys trust us to execute. And I want to continue to build on that legacy and continue to build, not just for, this isn't, this is also for the team. I mean, one thing that I have found in in building middle M is that, and there's been stops and starts on this and mistakes along the way, but like building the team and creating a culture that these people are proud to work within. And that's like not so much about the success of the business, but I feel like that's even becoming more important to me. Um, And a place where people can really feel like they can establish themselves, grow learn from each other, learn from the clients, see the opportunities that, that are in front of them and help develop them. I mean, that's really becoming more and more of my passion. And so in, in five years, you know, continuing to build that, you know, maybe I get to a point in five years where I'm more of an advisor to the business, less in the business. Um, and We'll see, and 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 I I already talked about and start to do some of my bucket list items, and I mm-hmm. want to stay young. That's a big goal of mine. Sure, <laughs> people Such feel a the huge same. Huge goal. I mean, I want to, and I think you know, CrossFit enables from a physical perspective to stay strong. That's important to me, and then you know, staying strong mentally or staying young from a standpoint of like all the things I still, you know that are still out there that I want to do, and you know, because you hit a certain point in your life and I'm like, Oh, like (laughs) you start to think this is the other side. Holy shit. (laughs) I
0: know. I know. I'm like, I, I just got to keep moving because I don't want to catch myself sitting on the couch and complaining about my knees hurting. You know, I like,
1: exactly.
0: There's, there's Mm -hmm. so much to do and I don't look at it, you know, I'll be 50 in July I don't feel like I'm 50, like, yeah, except for my knees some days, Mm -hmm. but there's so much to do. And I, you know, yeah, it's just a lot out there. I want to keep, I want (laughs) to keep moving and moving. moving. But yeah, um, I
1: mean, that's why golf for me, you know, wanting to get good at golf is kind of a nice new challenge, you know? And, um, I used to figure skate when I was a kid, gosh, I would love to do that some more. Um, that's you know I want to talk about knee injuries though, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you know things like that. And like I said I'll, already traveling the country, um, being selective, but traveling some in some other to some other countries. I you know love to visit the Far East. I love to go to Japan. I love to go to Ireland again. Things like that.
0: Yeah, now that'll be exciting. Do you play any instruments?
1: Well, I did, we have a piano downstairs and there was a time in which all three of us, meaning me and my two daughters were taking piano lessons and it was pretty cool. We even had a recital, you know, it was a piano <laughs> teacher. So this is something I started in my forties and I don't know, it just didn't pick up for me. I couldn't, I would love to play the drums. That's, that's something also on my bucket list. I think okay. I would be really good at playing the drums.
0: <laughs> wow. I didn't I didn't expect drums to come out there.
1: (laughs) I'm really, really good at air drumming, but.
0: uh... (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should do it then.
1: Yeah, I know. I know that'll happen when it happens. Actually, Matt, my husband got me a for Christmas, I think three years ago, he got me a a drumming lesson just to see, Okay, you know, you've always talked about it. It was really sweet um, thought. And so I went into this (laughs) to this. Place obviously for kids, right? And I walk in. I'm like, I'm here for my my drumming lesson. <laughs> and he did say though that I was a that I was a natural. There was something there, and I, said, I know I'm a very good air drummer. Of course, oh I'm going to be good at this. <laughs> we could so. start a
0: kick ass band.
1: Exactly. <laughs> but piano, what? Listen, I would love to be able to be good at the piano. And that maybe the way that this piano teacher taught, which was very methodical, like okay, what is the music on the, on the page say in exactly that? Like, so I didn't learn, like, I don't know, music theory and like how mm-hmm. to put the notes together. And it was just very like, okay, now I press this button and I press this, and I got good. Like I could play like some good music, but it was too rote. I didn't, I didn't love it. It didn't connect with me.
0: Yeah. So no, I know I just signed up for uh, guitar lessons again. And I'm like going into it with a little different attitude because I kind of want to know how does it work? Like Mm -hmm. that's where I get stuck. Mm
1: -hmm. Like I can
0: do, okay, do the chord, do this, do that. But like, I want to be able to, like when you see musicians and they just go out and jam because Mm -hmm. they know how it all works.
1: Right. That's music theory.
0: And I was like, like, I want to learn how to do that and figure that out.
1: Right. And that's a lot of hours. It's a lot of time, but I I do think it's so rewarding. I think you get to a certain point like golf where it sucks at first, right? You cannot hit the ball. And if you do hit the ball, you like skull it and it goes like 30 yards down the fairway. Um, very frustrating, but then you get to a certain point where you get, where you feel like you can hit the ball and you know what you did wrong. So you correct it the next time you're like, Oh, this, this is actually really fun and really like mentally challenging. And I, I won recently a tournament and it was a good feeling, you know, and anyway, so (laughs) I think as you, again, finding those hobbies, like whether it's camping or music, or for me, it's also plants. I love my plants and I'm, you know, gardening and things like that. Um, you know, things that add richness to your life that you can putter around your house or whatever, and enjoy like the moments of beauty, that life is showing you. And that's, mm-hmm. that's actually what I've been working on most recently is like staying in the moment, enjoy like feeling, you know, feeling your body, like in a way that's like, you're taking up space. And like, I don't know if that makes any sense in terms of how I'm describing it, but like present moment awareness for me is, is becoming more and more important and, and yeah. really interesting and makes life alive again. I don't know.
0: Yeah, instead of just running from A to B to C to D. Right, right. So how can people find you um, in Circle and Bloom?
1: So we just circle, circlebloom.com is our website. And um, and people can always reach me. That website or email is simply Joanne, J-O-A-N-N-E at circlebloom.com. So if you have any questions about like how our programs could potentially help you or or whatever, ha- more than happy to address those And then um, it's middlemcreative.com. And I'm a Joanne at middlemcreative.com if you want to reach me there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, well, good. Hey, I I appreciate your time today.
1: Oh, it was was a good conversation. Absolutely.
0: All right, bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Beyond Grit with your host, me, Robert Young. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell somebody about it. You can find this podcast on all major podcast platforms and be sure to tune in every Wednesday for another exciting success story of somebody going beyond grit. Until then, take care.